All right, welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. On today's episode, I have uh, Dewey. That's all we're going to leave it as, because if you know him, you know him. A great guy, high energy, uh, captain of the basketball team when he played at Mercyhurst. My guy, how we doing? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to link up with you because it's been a minute. It definitely has. It's been a minute, minute. <laughs> yeah, so the last, time, uh, the last time I saw you was uh, Briggs' birthday Geez, like two, three years ago almost, I think it was, when we went all uh, went downtown. We were pre-gaming at his apartment before he moved out to uh, before he moved out to Pittsburgh and became a cop. Very true. Yep, I definitely remember that. And that was pieces, the last time. Pieces of it, but I remember. <laughs> yeah, no, literally pieces <laughs> of it. I remember you showed up. Uh, you walked into his apartment, and I was sitting at the kitchen table, and you had that bottle of Patron. I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. <laughs> yeah, no, don't, I don't leave the house without it. Can't leave the house without it. No, you gotta, <laughs> no of course. Now, uh, now you're, you're a bu- are you Buffalo or are you Niagara Falls? Where you, you grew up? I grew up in Buffalo. Oh, okay, yeah, Buffalo. So we're, um, what was, because I didn't, I played basketball my senior year of high school that like that's really it and um I just did that to stay in shape for lacrosse but I wasn't really like in the basketball like you were what was uh I know there's been a decent amount of kids that have gone and played in college and then there's been a couple kids that have been drafted uh or even play signed NBA contracts out of uh Buffalo they just had that kid the last draft I think it drafted by Milwaukee out of uh, Mm -hmm. Louisville Yes. And then his dad, I'm pretty sure his dad was, is the coach of ECC or was? Uh, he still uh, is. Still is, yeah, because um, yeah. my uncle's good friends with him. Um, what What's uh, basketball like in Buffalo for, like, high school and stuff? Like, is it competitive, not competitive, or, you know, what's it like? Uh, basketball in Buffalo right now, I say they are getting more exposure than ever right now. Mm-hmm. As in where, when I, it was my time in my class around that age period, we weren't getting enough exposure, like, even if we do good at the big tournaments, they like, yeah, I'm from Buffalo. Like, yeah, it's, you know, it's New York, Western New York. And as yeah. rare as in uh, certain other places like, say, Charlotte, they get a – they're not better than some of the kids we have up here, but they get the more exposure because they're from Charlotte, you know. So that's just all it is. Uh, political and where you live at and location is it, weird how people think of buffalo <laughs> no i feel you on that i uh was talking to one of my buddies uh when we were talking about lacrosse because lacrosse is pretty big in buffalo rochester and syracuse and there's a, a shit ton of kids that go and play pro or play d1 out of those three like regions so we were saying that if you grew up in say like uh, i don't know like north dakota or somewhere fucking random um that it becomes harder for you to get exposure for lacrosse. Is that how it is in Buffalo with like high school basketball players? I I, I would I would say that, but now it's turning. The tables are turning. Like they're getting. You could just go to a tournament and pop up. They say you're from Buffalo. Buffalo is hot right now. We got a lot of kids. We got a um, got a kid transfer from Tennessee to George Mason. That's from Buffalo. We got a kid, another kid that just transferred from Seton Hall to James Madison University, and then another one just signed to Texas Tech. Well, committed to Texas Tech from transferring from um, Hampton. So, like, we got some big people in big places, you know, and people just graduating. So, it's looking good. Like, we're on the come up, you know. So, I feel like Buffalo basketball, we getting out there, but we still need more exposure. We still need to, you know, that one person to put us on. And I thought the one person was going to be Johnny Flynn to turn it around. But it still wasn't turned around after him and Paul Harris came through and Lazar Hayward. It still didn't turn around. It took still multiple years of putting in work with AAU teams and all that. 
to get us more exposure, you know? Yeah, and that's, like, what I was going to bring up next was uh, – because I remember Johnny Flynn, Paul Harris, they all played at Niagara Falls, ended up going to Cuse. Um, they played Lancaster the one year I was there, and it, it, it was it was like watching, like, a freshman team versus, like, a, like a D3 college team. That right. was, like, the, the, the biggest difference. That's what it looked like to me at least. Um, so, do you think that, like, for Buffalo basketball to get better exposure, they need, like – you would need just like that one or two kids that go to like a big time school like Duke UNC uh, to, for it to pop off? Or do you think it's just more so the you would need more um, quantity of players that are going to, to higher level schools I think, versus maybe having that one or two guy? I, I just really think the coaches that that are coaching in the game right now in this generation are so already got the mind that they there's no players for real in Buffalo. So when a new generation of coaches come, they're recruiting in Buffalo. It's going to be simple because if you're if you're a good coach, you know the players that's good for your system. You know what I'm saying? You just don't look for yeah. the highlight players and all that. You look for the players who are going to come in and, and be effective in your system. That's how it goes. But I do think it's going to keep going, getting higher and higher and higher. I think we're going to just keep getting more exposure, more exposure. Because we do got some elite AAU teams around, and they are doing well. So, it, it should keep growing. And now, like, one thing, like, when I played basketball uh, my senior year of high school, like, the coach straight up was just like, yeah, you're going to be the center because you're the tallest dude on the floor. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know, obviously, like, I didn't play point or anything like that because I couldn't handle it the way the point guard we had did. However, though, like, I got up and down the court just as quick, if not faster than everyone else, just from playing lacrosse and it being – in my in my mind, it was like the basketball court is a condensed version of what lacrosse is. So, um, but without ever even giving me the chance of like, okay, it, you want to potentially play PG, we'll put you at PG, see how you work. Like the coach was straight up like, no, you're the tallest guy, you're going to play center. So I don't know how you feel, but like mm-hmm. I definitely think that certain coaches, that's how they coach high school where at Buffalo is not a hotbed like, you know, like New York City or Charlotte or some of the places that you mentioned is, do you think that that is, um, do you think coaches do that? Because like, what is the reason you think coaches may do that? Because I, I think that just like looking back and then seeing how the game has evolved and changed, and then you have people like Bam out of Bayou in Miami, who's, you know, like Coach Cal Perry said, is like becoming like a point center, kind of mm-hmm. like how Joel Embiid and stuff like that plays. Um, do you think that coaches, um, because you're a coach, your opinion, do you think coaches should do positionless basketball? And then from there, based on the strengths that they have on a team, then decide positions? Because I never, like I said, until I got to college, I never looked at it. And I was just like, yo, that's kind of ass backwards. What if I could handle the rock better? I could potentially be a good point guard. Like, I'm talking hypothetic. I'm not saying that would have been. No, case, no I like, understand. Well, yeah. So to tell you the truth, I, Especially around here in a lot of places, you put exactly they put the tallest player as center. And to be real, six six is not a center position; it's a wing position. You know what I'm saying? It, it, exactly, it, and that's it, like what I was getting to. Right, it's definitely a wing position, especially if you're looking to play at Division One level or higher. You hear what I'm saying? It's definitely a wing position. You need those skills and everything. I understand that you're the tallest person, and if you're gonna say defend one through five, you're gonna name a person. I use that for defensive purposes because, especially at Mercyhurst, like uh, we had a six-seven kid who could shoot, was one of our best shooters, and we'll keep him on the wing, even though he can't post. We'll still make sure he get plays to pop out on the wing and use his ability, you know, to shoot. You know, 
So mm-hmm. I just really think if I'm gonna call you my center or my five, it's for defensive purposes. I need you rotating mm-hmm. that, that type of way because if you really think about it on bas- on, on the offensive end, you rotate, you screen and roll, you pop out, you know, you move, you back door, everybody doing the same thing. Everybody can do that. Guards can screen, yeah. and roll, you know what I'm saying? It's just where the advantages are. So that's why if I was the coach, I would just really – the position-wise would only be for defense. Yeah, because I, I – that was something that, like, looking back and, like, looking at how they did that, like, I never was put – because, like, for most people that don't really, like, know like that, like, Steph Curry's six foot three. He looks right. like a baby. He looks like a baby on TV, but he's 6'3". I'm, I don't know how tall you are, but I'm 6'4". So it's just like I – if I played in the NBA, I'd probably be playing the point guard position. Correct. So I've always, like, looking back on it, I always felt as though that, like, coaches kind of, in a way, like, you know, hinder or handicap uh, a kid for what his potential could be just solely by categorizing him, like, right away, being like, oh, you're the tallest kid, you're, you're, you're five, and rather then, than – Correct. And then, and then that happens again, see, and that's another reason why we were behind the eight ball, because we got coaches coaching that really just coaching for fun. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's, it's hard to volunteer – and coach and all that i understand but you got to train if you're gonna do it you got to do it right so these kids can get some good exposure and be ready to transition into college appropriately with their skills you know what i'm saying because if you're behind the eight ball in college you either gonna get red shirted or you're gonna be sitting down you know so exactly <laughs> so you want to transition now, them the right way now um did you get did you get a lot of uh rec- did you get recruited a lot out of high school? Like so, across, not, not just necessarily D1, but just like across like all the, all the levels. Um, uh, at first I didn't know if I wanted to play football or basketball. Um, mm-hmm. I had a couple looks in football right away. Um, but I love basketball. Somebody told me if I was going to play college, I gotta, you know, you gotta love what you do. And, uh, I just love playing football games. I hated practicing. I hated lifting. I ain't like none of that. So I'm just like, <laughs> all right, let me go play basketball. Then. And, it, you know, being from Buffalo, I don't got time for being in the cold all the time. So uh-uh. um, I originally played basketball. And then so I end up signing with IMG Academy out of my mm-hmm. senior year for prep school year. Yep. And then so I went down there on a scholarship. And then um, I tore my ACL. <laughs> So I tore my ACL, I think, I want to say January. I'm not sure. I think I tore it in January, but I was, I think I really tore it in November because I was just playing on it. I thought it was my hamstring, whatever. And so I ended up getting surgery. I mean, it brought me back. I had a couple schools uh, my first year recruiting on me. Uh, I had Cal State Fullerton. I had Bryant University. I had a couple D2s and a couple JUCOs because I was a non-qualifier at the time. So I was still working on my SAT and all that. And so then they brought me back and I thought, cause I had to get surgery and all that. So when I came back from surgery, um, I signed, I ended up signing to Toledo before the first week in August, like the first week of school, like right before that. So I really went from IMG campus. I stayed down there the whole summer and I ended up signing to Toledo because they signed our point guard. Well, my point guard from IMG as well in May. And then he got me in the door and then it was on from there. <laughs> So I just signed Toledo. Now, like, uh, before we continue this, the IMG Academy, for, like, people that don't know, is, like, most of the people that go there aren't even from the area, correct? Correct. Yeah, because it's down in in Florida, right? Yep, it's in Bradenton, Florida. Yep. And so I always wondered, like, um, I know, like, when I played lacrosse, like, 
I was at Lancaster and then I ended up transferring to Timon and I, I had to transfer back to Lancaster because uh, Timon didn't have enough classes for me to fill my schedule compared to Lancaster because Lancaster is massive compared to Timon. But just uh, from tra- I transferred from Lancaster to Timon just simply because the lacrosse was better and I wanted to play in college and play D1 and I ultimately did. But if, if I had not transferred to time in and played with them I don't think I would have even potentially played in college and I know some of my teammates that listen are probably like that's just not true that's a lie but that's genuinely how I feel so do you think that um Buffalo for example needs to do a better job at getting building up like the uh, the AAU scene or like the club scene because we both know that a lot of coaches that coach high school no knock against them they're just doing it because they love the game and they just want to coach but they're not necessarily like the right the thing. way i look at it is like they're not looking at every player like hey i'm gonna try to get you to the, a college level because that's how i'm a coach they just coach hey if you want to play basketball sign up try out it is what it is what is your thought on that my thought on that they have to if you're going to be a, co- a high school coach understand that you yeah you're doing it because you love it but you have to realize you got 14 players on the team. So you have to really break down skill development. If you break mm-hmm. down skill development at for everyone, because then now you can explain to these people who are not playing as much as the starters, they're, they are still getting better, better daily. So now you can talk to college coaches like, yeah, bring him up for a workout. I mean, he didn't play that much because of a guy that we had is all league and da-da-da. But I still think he's a great college player. But now he's he's ready. You get what I'm saying? By exactly, you're, yeah. You're breaking down the development, he is ready. Because a lot of people, they look at the starting five or or the, or the top six or seven, and they'd be like, okay, I'm just going to work with these people, make sure they practicing hard, getting better. But all in all, you the whole team want to go to college. You know what I'm saying? I mean, exactly. some, some might not love it as much, but if they, you know, you got that beginning of the meeting, what's your goals? Hey, okay, now we I got it. It's my job as a high school coach, you know, and that's pressure. <laughs> to get you better like even if you're not playing i still got to get you better i got to get you from point c to point b <laughs> like i gotta get you there so then i can make a call and feel comfortable sending you that call like yeah this kid give him a shot here give him a little trial or workout and then tell me what you think but you know in the back of your mind you've been working he's been working so hard all season so you ain't really worried about it you know that's how mm-hmm. i feel like high school coaches should be doing to be honest yeah, because that's what uh, Timon's coach did for me was I ended up playing – I played in a summer a summer league game with them just because they needed extra players. And the coach was like, yo, he's like, I see something in you. He's like, just come – he's like, come to Timon or play with us because he's like, we got D1 talents, like top to bottom across our roster. Um, and they had kids at the time, like a kid committed to Maryland, a kid going to Albany, a kid going to Syracuse. So, like, they had kids from all over. And then it was like once I started playing with them – I was like, oh, fuck, I'm not as good as I think I am. And if I want to get to this level, I got to be get to a point where I can compete with these guys or I can even beat these guys. So like having that experience, it changed my whole outlook on like, uh, you know, like, fuck, I really need to be around like the kids that are going to these schools or the kids that are getting recruited by these schools for me to even have a chance. And I feel this kind of leads into the next thing I wanted to bring up with you is I kind of feel as though that a lot of parents and a lot of kids in general these days, they shy away from that because they want that, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to say clout, but they want that, like, praise of, like, oh, you're good. And it's like, 
well, no, you're, you're, you're good for whatever environment you're in. You're not necessarily good per se. Mm -hmm. And before I let you have uh, the floor, the only reason I say that is because my buddies that, uh, my buddies that played high school football and high school basketball that like thought that they were, and these are like best friends of mine. So it's not like I'm shitting on random kids, right? but they, they would be like, Oh, we're good. We're good. And I'm like, bro, go play a fucking team in Texas. You guys will get slapped. You're not that good. Or, Oh, if you're that good, how come you're not being recruited by Bama or like even Syracuse or UB or like, and I said that out of like, you know, like brotherly love. But I think that that is when it comes to sports, that's not a conversation that's being had enough. Um, and, and I think in a way parents and, and friends and stuff kind of dilute, uh, athletes into thinking they're better than what they are. And that kind of like fucks them up in the long run. Like what's your thought on that? No, you are definitely correct because in that, and that's another thing that people in all Western New York, uh, in Western New York, not thinking about because they think, Oh, my kid made all Western first or second team. That don't matter. It doesn't matter. You're going against the world. If you ain't McDonald's top 10 or top 50, it don't matter. It, none of that matters, to be honest. And, and even if you are top 50, you still got to work because somebody coming for your spot. You know, and I really do. Uh, when I went to IMG Academy my first year, you know, um, a lot of us or we had a, lot, a couple half the team was uh, maybe about six players was sworn. <laughs> And the rest was all league uh, players, you know, some on scholarships, some had to pay, whatever. But they all, everybody thought they was coming from, like, running their hometown, you know. And then you, when you put it together, we go play against some Jukos. We get our ass kicked. We get our ass kicked. It was like, well, we playing against people, top, the top Jukos in the country. So mm -hmm. we playing against people signed to Rutgers, Washington, UCLA, Texas, all that, Memphis. So – they throwing oops and all this, and now it was a wake up call. And we played in my first game. We we like, and they and as funny as ever. I think they do that on purpose to everybody who attends IMG right away. And in that post program, like, okay, now y'all know what when I'll be telling y'all to do these two workouts a day in this weight room. How serious it is because you're gonna be playing if you want to get to that level. You're gonna be playing against people like that every night, and so mm. that woke everybody up and it made them hungry. And some, some, it, it scared them. It's, you could tell who shy away from like, oh, what I get myself into? Oh, now I got to make my goals more realistic. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody, because mm -hmm. they had that meeting before, like when you, before you get started, what's your goals? And they'd be like, people say, oh, I want to play at Texas. I want to play at this. I want to, I mean, you're not, you, you don't know your ability. They're not going to tell you that right away. Like, I don't think you're good enough to play at Texas, but they'd be like, okay, we got to work hard. You got to work hard. Da, da, da. And then after that first game, oh, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm D2, maybe I'm low D1. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So that's it's just a wake-up call. Like, just because you, you're you good in your area doesn't necessarily mean you you top dog. No, you got to keep working. Definitely have to keep working. Yeah, I feel that for sure because that was the thing. Like, I told my mom, I was just like, I want to play – like, I want to play in college. I want to play D1. doesn't matter where I go, but I just want to play D1. Right. And because, um, like, I knew – I'm thinking in my head, like, okay, if I – as long as I get on a team, I could work – you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. work work my way up, get better, even though that's not how it actually panned out. But, um, like, there would be high school games where I'd have, like, four or five goals. And we'd be – like, I asked my mom, I'm like, so what do you – um, um, what was he going to say? I was like – what did you think? Like, how did I do? And she's just like, uh, am I, am I a college coach or am I just, 
uh, your mom. And I was just like a college coach. She's like, soft. You look soft out there. And my buddies are like, what the fuck? Like, bro, you had like five or six goals. We won the game. Like, and Mm -hmm. I remember my mom's like, yeah, but that's not, coaches don't give a fuck about your stats. They want to know like how you're moving off the ball. How are you, how are you mentally when you're not, when your shots aren't dropping? Mm -hmm. Um, Are you being a good teammate? Are you hustling? They look for intangibles that like you can't teach. And she goes and outside of the tangible things, you look soft and sorry and it was like but the thing is is I told her to be like that with me because I told her what my goal was and by her constantly doing that it I was more focused on okay I need to get her approval versus me scoring goals and stuff like that and so I think that like when you have that um that feedback whether it's from like a, a parent that's being honest with you or like a coach that's being hard on you like my mom was hard as fuck on me but she was never doing it in a like ill will way she was just like okay if this is what you want to do i'm going to push you to get there correct and at and at any point if you don't want me to do what i'm doing just know that it's not for you no harm no foul but don't sit there and bitch when you don't get what you want because what you wanted me to do with the feedback and giving you my honest opinion, you didn't like that. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if it's just, you know, how, with the way the world's going, how society is. I just think that there's not a lot of that. And you even see with like, correct, you know, you'll, you'll see, like I, I like I've seen a lot of interviews with like say Kobe Bryant or even, even the interview with Kobe when he went to go speak at Alabama football and he's talking to Nick Saban and um, you see Nick Saban was saying that like kids nowadays, you have to like literally tell them the truth and tell them how to do things. Otherwise they're never going to get it. Mm-hmm. And then we live, uh, we live in a social media world where like uh, even AAU recruits and stuff, like most of them are just going to get like one quick highlight and then post on Instagram, but not actually try to get and make it on team USA. You know what I mean? Exactly. You are, you are correct. A lot of kids right now, they're soft. They can't take constructive, constructive criticism. And that you need that in life because, believe it or not, when you get to college, that's all it's gonna be, and they're gonna be straight up. It's going. They don't care how they say it. it it's gonna. It's gonna be out there. Like I'm Gary Manchel, who I play for at Mercy Earth. He will tell you how it is. It ain't no sugar coat around. It ain't nothing. And that's why he. I still love him to this day because he's preparing you for the real world. He's disciplining you to prepare you for your next job. You know what I'm saying? Or your team or, or pro, whatever, what you want to do. He's preparing you. He's disciplining you and he's speaking the truth like a boss would. You know what I'm saying? And that's mm-hmm. what people need because if you sugarcoat, I know you were late because you uh you slept, you overslept. It's okay. It's okay. No, it's not okay because in the real world, you're fired, you're cut, or you're going home. Like, it don't matter. You overslept. That's your personal, that's your problem. That ain't mine. <laughs> and that, no fact and so like yeah. uh, man I, I played but I had a great experience since IMG to Toledo to Mercyhurst all of my coaches man they the, the way they trained their young men were incredible at the time I didn't realize it I was like damn why are they on us like this like this is crazy and but dang can't, can't you cut us a break nah you still yeah I cut you a break yeah I started running uh, 10 suicides now you can run 12 Cause you're, you're talking back now. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, okay. You're not, but you don't realize like, damn, it really mean do effect. I guess I wasn't late again, you know? So it helped me out in the long run, you know, for the real world. And, and, and for today, like now I'm a coach today and now I got to be disciplined on young ladies. Like they were disciplined on me. So they can succeed in the real world as well. 
Yeah, I feel, and before we get into, you know, your experience at Mercyhurst and, and basketball and shit like that, it's funny you said the sleeping in because I had a coach um, when I was at Hobart before I transferred to Mercyhurst. I had a coach. I slept in because I pulled an all-nighter. Um, not making excuses. I'm just giving you context, but mm-hmm. pulled an all-nighter because I had this big project I had to finish up. And then I ended up sleeping through my alarm and missed lift in the morning. I missed team lift. And it was with they divided up. So like we were like, it was the offensive guys and the defensive guys. And I missed the offensive thing. And it just so happened that it's the only lift that the coach came in to check on us. And so our assistant coach calls me and he's just like, Hey, he's like, you, he goes, you have until practice to tell coach, call coach and tell him what happened. It's not coming for me. And if I practice, I found out you didn't do it. Um, you're not practicing. And so don't even bother coming. So I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Okay. So I call coach gave him the lowdown. He just laughed and he goes, all right, well, you can, you can explain to your teammates. Uh, actually, you know what? I'll, I'm not even going to tell you what happened, but just know that you're going to have to earn it with your team. You're going to have to earn your back, your treat teammates, trust and respect. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, what the fuck? Like, okay. So we get in the locker room and we start getting like dressed for practice. And he comes in, he's like, everyone, no, 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 no. Take all your equipment off. He goes, full sweats and it's like the it's like the first week in september so you know it's like still like 65 70 like right around there um and he's like full sweats he goes no equipment no nothing just grab your running shoes and he gave me and he goes guys antonio decided to miss uh team lift today so uh we're gonna do conditioning for two hours and uh he's gonna be the one doing the conditioning drills for you and he gave me the whistle and he goes you're running practice today and he made me blow the whistle and made everyone on the team except me do sprints in full sweats. And when kids weren't touching the line or jogging it, he was making me scream at them. Wow. And I was so fucking uncomfortable, like so uncomfortable. And you could just see the look in everyone's eyes like, yeah, we're, we're going to fucking kill you. Like, are you fucking serious? Yeah. Like this is the last thing we wanted to do. And and when I would like blow the whistle, I would be like, all right, run. He would scream and he'd be like, if you don't fucking yell, we're running more. And he just kept doing it. And then um, he was just like, all right, break it down. And then he goes in. He's like, Antonio, uh, who was the who was the one that gave the least amount of effort? And he wanted me to like critique them. And I was so uncomfortable. And he was just like, just realize anytime that you do that, you're not only hurting yourself, you're hurting your teammates. Yep. And I'm just like, fuck. and after that, it was lesson learned. <laughs> no, hey, hey, for real though. That's what you need. People, we need that as people, like to be disciplined like that in that type of way. Sometimes, you know. And then, mm-hmm. like that was probably a wake up call for other people who might have been a little late. Like, oh, that could have been me doing that. Like, dang, thank God, you know. <laughs> but it's a wake up call and it's a lesson learned. You know that you probably never look back on. Yeah, and uh, lastly, before we get on the Mercyhurst, was during that uh, Nick Saban Kobe interview. Um, Nick Saban was telling Kobe that he hears from recruits all the time when he has them on campus, like, oh, you know, I heard if I come to Alabama, I'm not going to have fun and enjoy college. And Kobe was like, I'm sorry, I have to laugh. Like, that's just the most like average thing I've ever heard. (laughs) And so like, why do you think that that is um, associated with being at the highest level possible is that it's like military style and you're not going to have fun. And it's just, screaming and yelling nonstop, but then you look at a program like Duke or uh, even Coach Izzo at Michigan State, who's always consistently in the Elite Eight and stuff like that. Like, why do you think there is that perception of if you go to a high, high, 
a high profile program, you're going to hate your life. I, I to tell you the truth. I really don't think you're going to hate your life. I just know if you have goals, they're going to make sure you accomplish it. And they have goals as coaches. Mm-hmm. Their goals is to win a national championship. It's how you want it. See, a lot of a lot of schools, they they try to be like, oh, we're just trying to make the uh, conference finals and all. They're not even thinking about that. They're thinking about national championship. So in order for me to get to a national championship, I need you 14 people focused. You know what I'm saying? And I mm-hmm. need you disciplined. I need you hitting the weight room. I had 100%. I need you doing extra film work. I need you doing extra workouts. After practice, you know what I'm saying, and that, and I don't know if you remember, but at Mercy Race, I always just say we got to overgrind, y'all. If we wanna, if we wanna, we wanna do what we gotta do. We gotta overgrind, and so it, overgrind me basically is you gotta watch the extra film, you gotta do the extra workouts. If you miss in the game yesterday, you miss all your three pointers in this one corner. You gotta go shoot a hundred jumpers at that one spot that you miss. You know, you mm-hmm. miss, you not finishing. You gotta go finish work on your finishing as well at the workout, extra workout. You know what I'm saying? So Nick Saban. He he has his his program established, and you got to realize this too. Those other players who buy buys in, they get in the NFL for first round, you know. So if you buy into what he's preaching, you're gonna be successful. I don't know where mm-hmm. it is if it's gonna be something else because you're already disciplined. Your body is already adapted to it. You're gonna continue to do it. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna continue mm-hmm. to work out and do, do the way you do things because you're he he adapted that in you. So now that is a part of you, you know. So that's what I look like. If you come into a program like that, they say, yo, listen, you ain't going to have fun. Well, I mean, you can't sacrifice four years of your life. I mean, I get it's college and you're young, but think about it. Right after college, some people just turn 21, 22 anyway, you know? So you still mm-hmm. got a long time to party and do whatever you want. But at the time, you're not thinking that. You're like, man, I'm trying to see some girls and all that type crap. <laughs> Football you know that. I ain't even gonna lie. That was that was that was my mindset. <laughs> right, but you gotta realize too, it's always time for that. A hundred percent. It's always time. Even as much as you you think, oh, I'm, I'm, as much as you think I'm in the gym too much, da da da. It's always gonna be time to go party and girls, and no matter where you at, trust me. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, how did you end up at, at Mercier's? I know you said you signed with Toledo, but when you transferred, um, and I'm only asking it this way because this is how it was for me. I When I transferred from Hobart, it had nothing to do with lacrosse. It hadn't, even though my freshman year I didn't play just because everyone that was playing was just better than me. And then my sophomore year I got hurt, and then my junior year I was just like, nah, I'm getting the fuck out of here. But I left because I didn't like the school like I just was miserable at that school I had nothing to do with lacrosse so how did you um end up transferring to Mercyhurst was that like a playing time issue or was that like similar to mine you were just like nah Toledo ain't it for me so Toledo I love Toledo I loved it um I loved the my teammates I loved I loved the city I loved the school I, I loved it I loved everything about Toledo what happened was uh my freshman year, well, I had to do a gray shirt year my first year because I was a non-qualifier. And so I had to go to, through the whole year, going to practices, watching all the practice films and all that, but not participating. I couldn't play. I couldn't practice. I had to just literally be at everything, at the games, watch the games. And during that time, I ended up getting gone from two. They said I had to gain some weight because I was going to play the forward position. So I ended up going from 215 to like 240. Or two thirty, one of the two, and um, I can't. So I came back. I was just eating. I was working out, but I wasn't working out to like, ex- like I should have been. And so mm-hmm. now, uh, after that year, came back. I I did well in the classroom. I think I had like a two nine, whatever. 
And um, that, that next season I came back, I'm like, I knew what we was going to do, but I'm like, I'm not worried. I, I should be able to get in shape within those conditions. Man, when I say that was the hardest thing of my life, like I was scared to go to workouts. Like, man, they, I thought I was going to die literally from working out. You know? <laughs> like I was so like, I, my lungs was like, was not prepared. Like I, I just didn't work out hard enough. And then so that already threw me behind an eight ball. Like when you come in out of shape and all that in the coach's mind, you they already like, like, nah. So yeah. my, my freshman year, uh, I mean, physically and athletically wise, I was good, but it was the win. Like the win, I couldn't keep up for a long period of time. So that threw me on an eight ball. So most I rode the bench the whole freshman year. And I learned so much, though, from being on the bench, like IQ-wise, because that's another thing that they don't teach you around here uh, about systems and how to look at the game, like two-for-ones under a 40 seconds and stuff like that. So they, I learned a lot. Like, I just learned a lot about college basketball. And my coach was a, a, a wizard at X and O's and all that, drawing up plays right at 30 seconds. Oh, it was amazing to me. So coming in after that season, we had a talk. Da da da. Uh, me and the coach, he like, man, just get in shape, learn the system, so I can trust you. Da da da. Because when you tired, you forget the plays, you know. And that just that's just naturally how it is. The mind goes first when you, because all you think about is breathing. But uh, man, I came back the next. I think I stayed that summer, and I got in some great shape. I was ready to go, and man, conditioner came. I was doing making my times, everything. It was looking good. So the first like five five or six games I'm, I'm i'm playing i wasn't in the main rotation but i was getting in like so I, it was a step up like i'm like oh yeah okay like i'm in the, i'm in the heat like i'm playing at minnesota i'm playing at northern iowa i'm like oh i'm in the heat uh-huh. I'm good. like i'm guarding seven footers and shit so i'm like oh man i'm good uh then i got put behind the eight ball because it was like i was in the uh final minute i think in overtime or a fourth quarter at Northern Iowa, and I didn't stay di- disciplined to our de- defensive principles. It was a loose ball, and I went and dove on it, but I fouled the dude, and so that put them to the line. You know how that go. They made some free uh-huh. throws. Uh-huh. And so he basically blamed that whole game, me uh, us losing Northern Iowa, Iowa on me. So that made him go down in his mind again. And I'm like, uh. So then from then on, it was like, Oh, our bigs in foul trouble. Okay, I get to play today and then stuff like that. But to tell you the truth, I, where I how I come from, like I worked so hard to get to that level, and I was just like, hey, after the end of the meeting, I'm like, I don't want to transfer. I'm good. I'm, I'm fighting through adversity. I'm cool with this. Like, <laughs> this is uh-huh. like you're gonna face some obstacles where you can't get through or over top right away. I am fine. I was, he just was like, dude, you too good. You too hungry right now. I want to see you play more, da-da-da. And then I was like, nah, I'm, I'm staying, whatever. He was like, all right. And then at the time, uh, my grandfather ended up getting sick like a couple weeks later, and I'm just like, damn, I might have to go back home. And then, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, ah, I don't know. But then like five or six people transferred off the Toledo team, and, and the two coaches that recruited us, um, most of the players, they end up leaving. One going is at Ohio State right now and one at the University of Buffalo right now. And we was just like, all right, we all out. Forget it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and then so I uh, signed up to this recruiting site from a guy who played at IMG. I can't think of his name. No, I don't know his name. Danny something. I can't think of what, 
what website it was or anything. So he put me on the site. Man, next thing I know, I got like eight D2s. I got some low major D1s all interested in me uh, coming into, on a visit and all that. I went on one visit. I went to uh, Wisconsin Parkside. I think University of Wisconsin Parkside. I went on that visit. And then the next visit, I um, I, we drove to Mercyhurst because they were interested. And I pulled in a Mercyhurst. I said, oh, no, nah, this ain't for me. Hell <laughs> And I and I'm just looking like this school probably got some rich kids. Like I don't got time, no oh, boy. Ain't no time for this. So I end up working out um, for Gary. Gary was like, "Oh yeah, I want you bad. Like I need you. I I I'm not gonna lie to you. I need like Gary Blunt. He's like, will you be a starter? I don't know. I want to tell you yeah, but I I can't tell you anything. Like I you're gonna have to work for that. I don't know how you are. And I'm just like he was being honest, and and I just loved how he was being honest. And so, you know, you got to make everybody wait and, and, you know, wait out your options. But Gary, he was like, yo, if you don't tell me by in, in a week and a half, if you want to come or not, ah, I'm giving away your scholarship. And so I'm just like, I'm making them wait. You know, I'm, I'm being that difficult. And so I ended up signing and it was no kids on the campus. So I didn't even really see nothing. You know what I'm saying? I just seen the gym, talked to Gary, but I was sold off of just talking to Gary. I didn't care about the school for real. I'm like, like I said. Anywhere I go, I'm always gonna have the vibe of meeting good people, partying, whatever. I wasn't thinking about that. I saw I, I'm a I'm a people's person, so I was just really uh-huh. thinking about like the team and and basketball wise, how good the conference was. And at the time, Mercy Mercyhurst was in the PSAC. that was the number two conference in the old D two. So I'm like, oh, we got some old Division one transfers in here, so I'm I'm gonna sign here. And I did. It was it was a good decision signing there, so it was no complaints. <laughs> What uh? What was your now? Like when you first got there and you started balling, did you have? And I don't like I've said this before on the podcast. I didn't, and I've never, and I'm not saying this from a like the guys that I've on Mercyhurst weren't good because Mercyhurst lacks. Like they're a powerhouse for D two. But when I got and I when I got to Mercyhurst and I had the first couple practices, like I was like, damn, okay, like it. it this is a little bit. This is a big drop off from what I'm used to playing at Hobart because like again there's kids that were I played with that were all Americans and in a high school that played at prep schools and really good schools and were like kids that had you know offers from uh, schools in the ACC and just stuff like like you know like kind of like how you were surrounded by like there's probably kids at Toledo that got a couple looks from like big time schools but like probably wouldn't play a lot so they went to Toledo instead so I was just like okay it's a little bit of a drop-off and that kind of like what led me to not having the work ethic to work hard and stuff like that. But when you got to Mercyhurst, did you have that like idea in your head of like, okay, like I'm coming from a D1 school. So like, I'm like, I'm already like, I know I'm a little bit better than everyone else. I didn't think that way, but like, that was like something I noticed was like, okay, there's a drop off in the speed of the game. The IQ of the, the IQ of the game was the most, the biggest like difference that I noticed the most. Um, and then I, did you ever think like, okay, I could coast a little bit or were you like, because of that, it being a drop off in town, you're like, I'm going to go harder so I can stand out. Uh, I no, I thought the drop off, I was like, I'm definitely going to go harder because we had, um, when I transferred to Mercy Harris, we had four, we had four division one transfers. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we had three or four Division One transfers on that team. So I'm like, it's going to be a battle. And they was all my position at that. So I, I knew I had to come in ready to go just to get, you know, 
playing time, even though I was the more athletic, I would say most more athletic one. But mm-hmm. I and and I could guard multiple positions at that time. And so when I came there, I'm just like, man, I just got to learn the system. That was the only thing I was worried about because if you don't know the system, the coach can't trust you. And I learned that in freshman year at Toledo. So I'm just like, I got to know this system in and out. So uh, the only thing that dropped off from Toledo to Mercyhurst was the film, uh, film sessions. Um, mm-hmm. Toledo, we had film every morning before practice of the last practice or game, whatever. It was film every day. Mercyhurst, uh, it's only film usually – after the game, and that's if you come in. If you come in, that's why it was it was just throwing me off. What are you talking about? If what is it? Yeah, like why? Not? No, you got to be here. Like I was, I was just so amazed. Like, but then I, as I started to get to know Gary, Gary wanted to see who really wanted more. So you now I start popping in. Like, what you doing? Oh, you watching? <laughs> watching with you? All right. But I and then and then that's how we kept building our relationship because he. That's how you know who really wants it. You know. That was only mm-hmm. pretty much drop off. Like the practices was competitive, um, the drills and everything we did was still up to par, you know. And that's that was a key. That was a key. Gary knew what he was doing because he also came from a Division One program, so it was installed in him. So he yeah. ran his D two like a D one, except for Phil. <laughs> yeah, he was always motherfucking you guys. Oh yeah, and uh, he, yeah. always. And, and that takes him getting used to because. Our coach at Toledo, he he never cursed, like, for real. He had cursed, but it wasn't bad. Gary, he had cussed you out in front of everybody. And and, and you got to get you gotta get used to it. That's when you get your tough skin. After you get that one falling out, and he, you cuss him out. Like, I cussed him out. Um, he played rest, at Westchester one time. He cussed me out. I cussed his ass out back. And I'm like, man. Man, I sat on the bench. Two minutes later, you're like, all right, get your ass back in. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's that type of relationship. I thought I was done for the game. I ain't going to hold you. I'm like, man, I'm done. I don't care, man. Forget him. And then he was like, you good? All right, get your ass back in the game. Let's go. <laughs> like, I remember oh. distinctively, we were, uh, we had, we, practice got canceled. So a bunch of us went, went to the rack to play pickup and you guys were practicing inside and someone set like a little like bubble screen, like a little quick, like, um, pick and pop type of screen mm-hmm. and because they were more focused on popping to just because like we we're i was watching it the entire time like i was coming into the rack um and walking walking down that like longer like hallway by the this fucking i can't even take the stands and shit right um i was watching like because you guys kept doing it doing it and i watched the one kid and you could tell he was more like focused on popping and getting the ball that he set like a weak screen and I didn't like know your coach at the time, but like he just screamed and he like threw the clipboard and he's just like, it's a fucking screen. It's not some little soft ass <laughs> like and he goes, watch, come on, come on, run, set your pick, then pop. And I'm just like, oh, God, good Lord. <laughs> yep. like, yo, like this guy's intense. Yeah, he definitely intense. And that and that and that makes you want to win. I swear it makes you really want to win when you, your coach is that intense on you getting to your max potential oh i love it it, it just makes you want to go through the wall it makes you want to hey, go through the wall for him man how do you in your opinion how do you think kids can um kids or even younger kids can embrace that versus being scared timid and not wanting to be around that well i see uh that's hard because everybody comes from different backgrounds and, uh-huh. and that's and, and the one thing about it is 
Sheesh. Uh, it's different. I, I say if he's like that with everybody and once you see that, but it, some people think they're picking on him when they he's not like that with everybody, but Gary is like that with everybody. I'm like that mm-hmm. with my girls still to this day. Like, I'm the high energy. If you do something wrong, I'm, I'm calling you out right away. And, I, and they, I'm always high-pitched and energized, so they already know it's not meaning no harm. It's just wanting them to get better. And so, but if, like, for instance, like, our other coach does it, they're like, oh, they're picking on me. You can't be talking to everybody like that because he he does. It's not like he yells one time at somebody. You know, it's not consistent enough for him. Mm-hmm. So they, they feel like they he's getting picked on or they're getting picked on and stuff like that. But to prepare for it, to tell you the truth, I've been getting coached like that since I was young, since uh, little league football and, and AAU basketball. So I'm used to coaches yelling and cussing and, and all that. So it wasn't it wasn't a wake up call. I think it was more of how consistent Gary is on the curse. That's what I had to get used to. Like, damn, shut up. Like, yeah, you, know, you know what I'm saying. But he is on it the whole game. To prepare for it, I really couldn't tell you how to prepare. For it. <laughs> I really couldn't tell you. I really couldn't tell you. I just would just be like, man, just know he want the best. If he's saying he want the best and he is screaming at you to mm-hmm. get your best, that means he really cared. Because when they be quiet, that's when it's a problem. When they let you get away with it, that's when it's a problem. You know? That means No, exactly. That's facts. Now, um, how did you – because I just – because this will lead into, like, you as a coach is when you had bad games or you had days where, like, it seemed like the the net was like the size of a fucking penny and none of your shots are dropping. You're playing ass, like basic, you know, like r- rotations, like you're, you're, you're late to a rotation or like, it's just the worst game you've ever had. And I'm sure you've had one or two in college. Cause we all do, right. you know, we're all human. How did you handle, um, how did you handle that adversity? And what was your mentality with that? Like, um, cause I'm sure like there's, now with coaching, you gotta kind of take those lessons and instill that type of shit into your girls so that they can't be frustrated and fuck up the next play or the next game because of what happened in the past. You're you're right. Um well during the game, are you talking about during or after? Like uh both. Okay, so during the game, usually if I'm having a bad game, this is when your teammates are big or you you be usually being the leader, especially at Mercyhurst. If I'm having a bad game, you know, um, I still try and continue to lead. You know, um, the people who go in for me, I always try and be enthused and think the next play in a positive way. Even though you know you're like, damn, I keep missing. Like, yeah, shoot wrong. But now you got to figure out a way to be effective on doing something else. You know, it could be diving on the floor. It could be taking a charge. It could be rebounding. Like, okay, I'm not scoring. Let me go rebound. Let me go set hard, hard screens. Or when I'm out on the bench, I'm not playing. Man, I got to be the loudest on the bench. You know, talking my team through, I was a big communicator, so I'm always talking. And so once I, I did that, I, I could still affect the game in that type of way by giving my guys energy, you know, making him have a good game. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, Andy, come on, Andy. Yeah, you got it. Shoot that. Hey, oh, get back. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Just mm-hmm. by that little boost, they like, oh, he got me amp now. Now I'm amp. Like, no, now everybody amp. So, now that I'm having a bad game, they don't even realize it because they having a good game, you know, and we might be winning now, you know? So exactly. that's, that's how you got to try and, and find ways to affect the game, even if you're missing or even if you're not setting a screen right. You got to find ways just to get over adversity, you know, find a way, little things to do. 
Mm-hmm. And um, you're coaching – who are you coaching again? I coach at Bryan and Stratton College in Buffalo. Uh-huh. The Bobcats, right? Yep, the Bobcats on the women's side. Hey, was coaching something you always knew you wanted to get into, or was that just something because you loved the game so much you wanted to stay around it? Well, to tell you the truth, um, I wanted to go back and play, but uh, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. So by COVID hitting, a lot of clubs lost money, and a lot of clubs have stopped um, – Stop! Just totally like we had to cancel like this year because you know how the clubs raise. They got boosters, you know that type of stuff. Fundraise, you know, and people can't give out nothing right now because their business is still trying to recover from the hit and the loss. And so I'm just like, well, maybe I should uh start to get my coaching resume started because you know I had I had to talk with one of the my AD at by uh Brian Stratton and you know he played in the NBA as well. And I'm like, mm-hmm. when did you know to hang it up? He was like, you don't hang it up. You don't hang it up. He was like, you go till you physically can't go no more. And I'm like, wow. So now that had me thinking. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I had a son. So I'm like, I'm thinking of him as well. So I'm just like, ah, what do I do? I mean, I know I could go back, but I didn't get any calls. I mean, I got calls, but they there was all saying that, you know, the season is delayed and all that. So I'm just like, okay, I want to do I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for the assistant coaching job just to burn time to start my coaching resume because I always wanted to coach after I was done playing. That was always mm-hmm. the goal. I'm going to go and coach after I'm done playing. But, you know, it came sooner than expected, you know, and I, I just got – man, I interviewed. You know, they put me through some things, and I got it. <laughs> so it, I loved it ever since. Like, I never I never second doubt it. I knew I always wanted to coach, but it just came earlier than expected. <laughs> And how is it – how different is it coaching the women's game versus the, the guys' game? To tell you the truth, I'm the same person always. So, I like – you know, like I scream, I yell, I talk. I, you know, I talk my shit to them. And, you know, it's, it's all love. And so, it really isn't that much difference. The, it, the difference is, you know, the girls, they don't they don't have the ability to get above the rim and dunk. And what they, you know what they do, do better than the guys. They listen mm-hmm. better than the guys. So, Oh, I can that, imagine. That's, that's one thing you never, and you don't have to fight no egos usually with girls. You just, man, you tell them one thing, they're not going, they're not going to challenge you. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, they're going to be like, Oh, okay. I didn't even look at it. I'm going to try it. They're going to yeah. try it. As in when boys, you gotta, you gotta really show them physically show them on film or something. Why to stop doing something. Or why you shouldn't do this. You know what I'm saying? So, it, it's like, boys, you got to deal with Eagles. Girls, I mean, I haven't dealt with Eagles yet. So, but I, they do listen better. So, I, it's, it's, been a, it's been a peaceful ride. And, you know, ain't nobody ever going to challenge you like, man, shut up. Like, try and pressure you in the fights or anything like that. So <laughs> No, of course not. Not on no girl side. So, I, you know me, I'm, uh, I'm cool with that. I'd rather be less stressed like that. <laughs> Yeah, and now that you've uh, been coaching and stuff like that, has that like opened up your uh, your eyes to like new goals within coaching? Like now that you're coaching, are you like, all right, I fuck with this, I like this, it's 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 good. I can see myself being really successful and good at it. Um, yeah. Well, now I want to one day coach either a D one team or or something like that, or maybe even get to the NBA or WNBA. Like I don't, I don't know, but like has because you seem like from knowing you the way I do, it seems like one whatever you do your your ideas in your mind always goes to like the biggest and grand scale um so since coaching have you started to you know like cultivate those type of goals for yourself within coaching or well, well yes uh my goal is to get to a division one 
And, mm-hmm. and, you know, um, I really want to get to a Division One, and I want to learn under a coach that's pretty legendary or known. And I just yeah. want to keep, you know, picking her mind or his mind and just keep learning from them uh, how they keep the culture winning, traditions and all that. So, I mean, even though you come from that type of – I come from that type of situation where I was on winning teams throughout my whole college career. And um, I just want to see how they did it, the background the background scenes. You know what I'm saying? How did you keep these pieces together? How did you keep the winning tradition together? How did you keep kids motivated? You know, stuff like that. And that's the stuff, like, you got to realize when you go to college, you got to keep these kids motivated in the classroom and on the court, you know? So – and you want to keep the chemistry as well so there won't be no egos, people going back and forth. When it, you want it all one good vibe, you know? And that's what you got to realize. And, and that's why I want to get under a coat to see it from the other side, like really, really see it from the other side, you know? Yeah. The coach, I, I forget her name, but the women's coach that coaches at South Carolina. Oh, Don Staley. Yes. She would be a hell of a, I know there was a, it was on Netflix. I don't know if it still is, but it was like, um, basically it had like all these legendary coaches. She was one of them, uh, Serena Williams, tennis coach. And it was basically like the behind the scenes of like how they got to where they are and like how they do things with right. whoever they're coaching. And it was crazy. Cause when she got to South Carolina, South Carolina was shit. Like they were nobody. And she was just like, nah, like we're bringing, we're bringing pride and a championship back to South Carolina. Like it's about to happen. And then like years later, I think it was after they signed a, Ajaya Wilson. I mean, she's in the WNBA now, but yeah. um, it was after they had her commit for the first time. I believe that's when it really started to take off because um, when they had her on campus, I'm pretty sure they had the, she set it up so that when they were at a men's game, I believe it is, I could be wrong. I, like I said, I saw this documentary like a while ago, but she had it so that like the student section was like, welcome to campus. We want you here. And like made signs and like made it feel like she was playing at like a prestigious like program. Right. And she was saying she built it that way in a sense. So she would definitely be someone, um, I mean, unfortunately, you wouldn't have the chance of uh, Pat Summit because she unfortunately passed. But like someone like that is uh, that's who you're like looking to get behind is like a coach. Yeah, that magnitude. Even, even even like the coach at uh, UB, Coach Jack, you know, uh, Coach yeah. Jack, she has won a tradition. You know how she turned that got that program to do the, the things that they have done the last couple of years is, is it's incredible. And mm-hmm. she re- she is recruiting like top talent still at Buffalo, you know. And Buffalo, you know, it's not bad. The MAC conference is not bad. They got they not get at draft all. Pe- especially in women's basketball, they getting draft picks every year. You know, I think a girl uh from Central Michigan just got drafted, and you know, uh Sierra Diller got drafted the year before mm-hmm. that. So I mean, they're getting talent up talent. That girl's players. a baller. Correct. Yep, she's definitely is. She is very good. And so <laughs> I, I like, yeah. So like, I, I I would get behind her. Like Coach Jack, I love how she coached. She coached with passion and stuff. So. It, it, man, a lot of stuff I just get behind somebody who's winning and, you know, I could show what I could bring to the table, you know, because there's a lot of coaches as well who are coaching that never played a game of basketball or, uh, since high school or even that. So, you know, I'm not, not undermining them, but you, man, to be in them lines, man, you got you got to understand. You got to understand a couple of things, man. When it, you've been playing so long. You you know how I feel when it's two minutes left in the game and you don't play thirty five minutes. I know how you're feeling right now. I know how uh-huh. your mind is thinking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, 
So it's hard. It's, it's, it's a difference. It's a big difference from coaching and playing. But if you was a player and you're not coaching, you understand certain things, you know? A hundred percent. And I mean, unless you go, like you have that experience, you don't kind of, like kind of in a way it's like, unless you have that experience, you don't learn those things. It, it, like there's cause you never been through them. You never exactly. Been. Yeah. Um, and so like kind of like wrapping up the, the basketball talk and stuff before we move on to some of the like uh, other like off topic questions I have for you was uh, so if, you know, a kid comes up to you and is like, Hey, like, Hey coach, like I want to, you know, I know about you. I know how you went to IMG. I know how you went to Toledo. I know how you played at D2 um, and stuff like that. I want to, I'm not the best basketball player right now, but I do have goals and aspirations of playing in college and, maybe even getting in the NBA one day, like what would you tell that kid to encourage him, but also be real with him at the same time versus being like what most people do of like, well, the NBA, come on, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what would you say to that kid to encourage him? Um, but also be real with him that it's just like, yo, you also got to work. Like it's the same, it's ain't a free ride. Right. Well, to be real with him, I would tell him what, let's say if his goals was division one at the time, and, you know, he's skinny and he might not be the fastest kid. I would tell him he got to work on his agility. I would tell him what his weaknesses at Division One. You got to be able to use both hands, get to the basket effectively with both hands and finish. You know, um, IQ is the must. You know, you got to know the game. You got to know how to talk the game. You got to you know when to slow. You got to know when to go. You got to that's, – that's the key right there. But you also got to build your body up. And then you got to have little goals, like set your goals. Say you 185 and then to be a big 10-point guy, you got to be 205. Okay, start setting yourself up to gain muscle. You know, get yourself on a program to get an, an, uh, a performance program, like weightlifting to get your muscle going. Work on your skills every day. You know, it could be the littlest thing that makes the biggest difference. You know what I'm saying? And then you put all those little things together. Now, instead of being at minus C, you at minus B now off of just working on your little things that you need to fix. You know, now you that much better of a player to, in their eyes. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. just keep working. It's a daily grind. It's no off days for real. And when I, and when I say that, do push-ups, do sit-ups. Even if your body is sore, you know, you're going to be sore. It's You're working for a goal. If you, that means you're working if you're sore. You ain't hurting. You ain't, if you ain't hurting, you ain't working. You know, that's what we used to say back in the day. So. That's what I'm saying. Hurt and you ain't working. I like that. I've yeah. never heard that before. But uh, fuck, I'm gonna have to see that. But all right, <laughs> well let's uh, let's let's talk some fucking hot topic basketball debate. Who who who's your goat? My goat. Oh man. Okay, so I got three. I got three in my mind, and it, you can are they all tied, or is there one that's like the uh, one? Uh, okay, so Allen Iverson is my goat, man. Okay. AI it, and then, then I would have to go Carmelo Anthony. And then for my last one, Ray Allen, Milwaukee Bug Days, for sure. Okay. Ray I respect that. Yeah, because uh pound for I think pound for pound, AI he's that dude. Yeah, that boy, he got heart, never quit, always play hard, never back down, talking shit too. I loved it. I loved everything about that. I love that uh, Melo finally got in the top 10 because he was getting a lot of hate. Man, and they try. Man, I used to argue with people, man, be ready to almost go crazy. Man, they be like, Melo ain't got it no more. Melo too slow. Melo too. And what did he do? He needed that. Melo got too content 
um, being in the NBA, being mellow. He didn't think that could happen to him. So what he did, he got hungry again, got his body in tip-top shape to hit the agility ladder because he's moving more mobile now, did the yoga, did some boxing to get slimmed down. And now look at him, top 10. That is crazy. When they, he thought he was out and done. What he sat out a year or two? And I think gave- it might have been, yeah. Well, I also think kind of like, and this will be like, a, you could touch on this because you're a coach. I This is something that like I'll never budge on. I firmly believe that a player's success also depends on the system that that team's running. Because uh, right. kind of, because obviously like, you know, we're talking about the NBA here, but in most kids are like, oh, I'm not succeeding because I'm not in the right system. It's like, no, okay, pump the brakes. But for the most part, it's like they didn't – like in, in Houston, he was a bench, a bench warmer. He didn't really do much. In OKC, he didn't really do much. But then it's like you put him in Portland, you see how they're using him in Portland, and it's like he, it's like he's been in the league the whole time. Right, and you got to realize who he was playing with. A, 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 he was playing with ball-dominant point guards. Don't get it twisted. Dame do get his shots up. But Dame do pass that pill around there where people get touches too as well. You know what I'm saying? As a uh-huh. Dame's Harden, if he passes the ball, it's an alley oop type situation, especially in Houston or Russell Westbrook. If he gets to the hole, he's just kicking it off to shoot a three. As in where Melo, he is a, a play at his own pace, like pass it to me in the post, uh, a jab step, shot fake, that type. No, nah, now nah, he's just not catching shoot. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like they wanted him to be, even though he can catch and shoot. That's just not his game. He wasn't comfortable there. As in where now Portland, they give him the ice on the uh, elbow. They got him in this comfortable spot. So he succeeded in that system. You, that, that's totally correct. <laughs> exactly. Because I remember kind of like you, like I'm a, I'm a huge basketball guy. So like Melo, Melo's one of my goats. He's on my Mount Rushmore of like personal choices. Not like if I'm having a legitimate debate of the history of the NBA. But, um, but I would say a couple of my buddies, I'm just like, yo, he's already in the Hall of Fame. Like, if he stopped playing today while he's on the Rockets, he's already in the Hall of Fame. People are like, nah, he's washed up, da-da-da-da, he's this, he's that. And I'm just like, yo, he didn't win in New York. I'm like, yeah, but they also didn't give him anyone to play with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, what do you – like, exactly. it's the, – the NBA is more, like, superstar-oriented where it's like if you need to win a chip, you got to have, like, two, possibly three. And the Knicks gave him what? Fucking insanity? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, uh, since we're talking basketball, Jor, like I, obviously it's Jor. Well, do you think? Do you think there needs? To, do you think the conversation should be Jordan v. LeBron or Jordan v. Kobe? Mm. And that's not. I, and that's not saying. That's not taking away from either Kobe or LeBron. If you decide one or the other. Well, I, I really think uh, Jordan's going to be at the top regardless. And to mm-hmm. be honest, I think. Um, Kobe is was just a different breed and mindset, like mm-hmm. how hard he played and how he broke down stuff and how he seen stuff. Man, I it I'm watching documentaries on him and stuff like that. Man, it's just it's just wild how hungry he was. You know what I'm saying? And so I have to go Kobe second, and then LeBron. Now Mike, you, could, Mike is in his own league. Like Mike used to smoke cigars before he played and go drop forty five. Like what in the hell? And that's when <laughs> they was throwing you to the ground to foul you and stuff like that. And he he played every game. Nowadays these people sitting out and all this soft stuff. Like what the hell? So yeah, I really gotta go with I gotta go with Jordan is in his own own mind. 
Online and then um, Kobe, because Kobe rarely ever sat out either. Not unless he was really injured. You know what I'm saying? He playing. Yeah, so. and do you think that like just for that debate purpose, like I, because me personally, I think that, and you're gonna be like, bro, <laughs> as I don't even think that it's it's gonna sound blasphemous, but I I mean this, and I'm not I'm not trying to troll, but I don't even think that uh, Jordan's in the same hemisphere as as LeBron. And the only reason, let me explain myself. The only reason I say that is I'm talking from, I'm talking from a complete, like a complete like standpoint. Like I don't think, and it's not that I didn't watch Jordan. Obviously I didn't cause I was born in 94 and he was about to be right. done. But like, I'm saying just from looking at it, like I think that Mike's the greatest. Like if you're asking me who I think the goat is, I think Mike's the greatest, but I think it's because of, like how he willed his team to win and shit like that. Like Mike ain't losing to Dallas if he's on the heat with Dwayne Wade. (laughs) So, but I'm saying from the aspect of like how athletic, like, don't get me wrong. Jordan's athletic. He's the first one air Jordan, but I'm saying like six, what six, six, two fifteen, two twenty versus six, nine, two seventy, two eighty. And then on top of it, it's like, there's not like you don't see besides like Zion and shit like that, or even you could say John Morant too if you want. But like you didn't, you weren't really seeing bef- after Jordan that type of like athletic freak. And then people forget like Le- when LeBron was uh, 22, he took them to the finals, even though they got fucking swept by the Spurs. But mm-hmm. he averaged like he averaged like 28, 29 as a 22 year old, whereas Jordan was in college. So like, I look at it from the perspective of like, okay, Jordan had coach Dean and then he had Phil Jackson. Well, he didn't have Phil Jackson at first, but then he had Phil Jackson. Whereas like LeBron's never really had a good coach. He's never like, yeah, he, uh, D Wade and had a super team and shit, but like he didn't have someone in Cleveland, like how Jordan had Pippen and shit like that. So like, I, obviously you can't compare errors and I'm not like, Right, doing it, but I'm I'm just solely going off of those, not because I yeah. When you look at the finals record, it's obviously Mike, but I'm saying, and then I've heard other people like Shaq and other Hall of Famers say that if you're talking like just basketball itself, like being a basketball player, that LeBron has that argument. But when you're talking like goat and all the intangibles and shit like that, it comes back to MJ. So I'm always curious when people talk about that like I never understood and that's why I'm asking you because you know basketball way better than I do but I never understood like how someone like um like Shaq and Larry Bird and you know some of the greats that played with Jordan or played against him are like well if you're talking solely basketball yeah it's LeBron but the GOAT's Jordan because he has six and needed all these other things so it's like kind of like we'll get to it in a second like the the Brady Rogers argument like I think Brady's Jordan and Rogers is LeBron Oh yeah, that 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 Brady is 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 Jesus is Jesus. Yes, that's what I'm saying. You no, know, like yeah, Brady is Jesus. You know why? Because he 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 wins. He wins and yes, wherever he goes, he wins. I don't care if you say he traded and all that, and he stacked his roster. No, no, no. After Brady done did that, what he did to Atlanta that one Super Bowl, he 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 clear, he, he he certified it. It, it was over. He certified that win against Atlanta when they was down by 21 points. It was, I couldn't believe it. I was in Belize watching. I couldn't believe it. Was it? Yeah, no. Yeah, it was 28, 28 to three, and he came back and won. Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, it was nuts. So I'm just like, man, if that don't make you a goat, I don't know what does. So yeah, but Rogers, Rogers is baby G, baby goat. He's baby goat. 
that's that's what I'm saying. So like that's how I look at like the the Jordan, even though it's an endless debate, like it's never going to be settled. But like that's how I look at like the LeBron versus Jordan argument is like the talent versus like the intangibles in a way. Like because you know how it is. Like Roger Tom Brady ain't never throwing the football like Rogers does. Nope, that's very true. But Tom Brady, he a winner and he knows how to win. He knows when like. If he's not having a good game, he's going to give it to the running game. He's going to open up something. He'll figure it out on the dot. His IQ is too crazy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So do you it, think that uh, – no, continue with what you're saying. Because if you see Tom Brady, he don't throw the long ball if you really watch him. He throw them short passes, little cuts here, screens. You get what I'm saying? He might throw exactly. it once in a while, but he ain't going to really throw the long ball. It's, a, it's no. all about 10 yards and 12 yards. That's about it. No, and he's not throwing. If you remember, I think it was 2016 or 2017 when Aaron Rodgers threw that that pass on the sidelines to uh, Cook against Dallas. Oh yeah, yep. And he got it. He, yep, Tom Brady. Saying. Tom Brady is not throwing a ball like that. I'm sorry. No, nah, nah, Aaron Rodgers can launch it. He, he can definitely launch it. Um, so would you think that it's uh, basically so? Like, what I'm getting out of all that is that it's just like, yeah, talent's good, but it's ultimately like the IQ and how you. How, what you get out of your teammates and how you manage the game is more important, correct? Exactly. And then okay. I look, and then I look at like um, with Jordan, with Jordan against LeBron. I uh, I see people who come join LeBron, they don't get better. As in, where people came with Jordan, they got better. You get what I'm saying? As far as mm-hmm. like people like Kevin Love, for instance, Chris Bosh, like numbers all went down. You get what I'm saying? And these dudes was getting twenties and twenties, like damn near averaging it. You know what I'm saying? when they were on other mm-hmm. teams, and then when they get LeBron, more ball dominant. Dwayne Wade numbers went down. So, like, it's just like, but now you look at, oh, let's go. I got Scottie Pippen now. Okay. If you really look at that team, they weren't they weren't really stacked at all, to be honest. So, I'll, I look at the Bulls team, like, everybody numbers went up with Jordan. You know what I'm saying? He made them mm-hmm. – he had a standard where he made them play harder and tougher. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's how I look at it. Yeah, no, I do too. I'm always just curious though, like, cause, cause, you, cause now you got people being like, oh, uh, Pat Mahomes is potentially the new goat, and it's just like, well, yeah, not on great. No, 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 no. I, I completely agree. But if you're looking at it from a perspective of like, like the talent, and like there, there's shit Mahomes does that Tom Brady, could, I don't think could ever do. But at the Correct. same time, it's the, Brady's still the goat. You know. Yeah. Ain't no, ain't no, and usually you. I hope you're not getting those uh those answers from people up up over in the Western New York area. <laughs> oh hell Brady. no! Yeah, yeah, no. They hate Brady. They hate Brady. And they don't want to never it. admit it. They never want to admit it, but it's the truth. <laughs> no, dude. I actually get I get mad shit from my boys uh, because prior to this season with the Bills, I was always like, "Yo, can we fucking stop with the Josh Allen is good talk? Like, can he fucking do something for once?" And they're like, "Oh, well." Da, 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 da. I'm like, "Yeah, but." They're like, well, he doesn't have anyone to throw to. I'm like, okay, so what? Like, can, as a Bills fan, like, can we get someone before we start? Because we do that with every quarterback. Because mm-hmm. obviously we wanted to win, but now after this past season, I ain't got much shit to say. But like, that that's the thing. Like, Bills fans are just like, nah, fuck Brady. He ain't good. He's a bitch. But it's just like, nah, you just you just salty. <laughs> right. No, that's a fact. Josh Allen is good though. I like Josh. Yo, Allen. yes, absolutely. I had to eat my words on that. But at the same time, I'm like, yo, let me just see something. You know? Nah, nah it, and that's true. That's very true. I'm not a Bills fan, but I like Josh Allen. Josh Allen. I know. I know you're not. I know you're not. Do you think? <laughs> uh, what do you think is gonna happen with Rodgers? I know oh, he's staying. You think he's gonna stay? This is the reason why. Just this is the big reason why. Mercedes Mercedes Lewis 
is an old vet. He could have went anywhere on on a vet a veteran minimum, whatever. Mm-hmm. He stayed. You got Aaron Jones, who could have maxed out anywhere in the NFL. Miami was gonna probably pay him way more than uh, Packers. He stayed. Hmm, sounds crazy. Then you got Devontae Adams. Uh, he signed an extension or something. I think he stayed. So you got everybody coming back on the top offense in the league, and now we added defensive players to help us, and where our weaknesses was, and we added another slot. A slot receiver who is good like Randall Cobb. You telling me you're not coming back? And you got the top offense from last year and you just added more pieces? What are you doing? Your job's gonna get even easier. Yeah, no, I I feel and, that, but and, I also but, like and you and, but listen to this. And you want to play till you 40, right? And how many times were you sacked? This is what you gotta realize. You want to play till you 40 and you wanna keep getting better. You know your players. You got the chemistry. So it's just like the locker room. Like I said, Aaron Rodgers, even though it's it's all got to do with the top office, when you got that loyalty with your boys, at the end of the day, you gonna, your boys going to come down here like, you serious, bro? Come on, man. And then you're going to be like, yeah, I ain't going nowhere else, man. I got myself established here. I don't want to – you know, my family know this place. I've been here for so long. It's just easier to stay. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I know he said, I know he said that that the staying with one team his entire career is not looking like the reality anymore. I know he said that, but the the part of me that like like I think like I know I know you're probably gonna hate that I'm saying this, but like I hope I want to see him leave. I want to see him leave just because I want to see if he can do like the whole like oh okay like I was asking for help, you didn't really like give me anything outside of Devonta Adams. And then he goes somewhere else and wins. I just want to see if that happens because obviously that's a conversation. But mm-hmm. keep going. But at the same time, like looking into it, kind of like how you are too, he's yet to actually come out and say everything that's being reported. So that's why I'm just like, it, oh, he, it, he's, it, le- he's letting it play. It, yo, I, I, uh, exactly. And then the crazy thing is, a lot of people saying, like that gnome, he was at the Kentucky Derby and. It was like one he never said for that GM to get fired. He is mad that he's not involved with like like the draft picks and stuff like that. But two, like he praised it over time. You got to realize this too. Devontae Adams was not a first round draft pick, and Devontae Adams took a couple seasons to get to where he is to be good like that. People mm-hmm. wanted Devontae Adams gone, so that's the crazy part. And then so Aaron Rodgers, the really probably made him mad. What I heard as well. Um, Jake Kumaro. He praised Jake Kumaro and then they released him like the next day after he got done praising him. Like, yeah, I love mm-hmm. him. Like, he, we need him. Like, da da da. And they released him. So that's where he felt like a little betrayed. I think he had a good friendship with him as well. And I understand that. Like, you're breaking up the loyalty bond and the chemistry in the locker room. You know what I'm saying? To bring in somebody mm-hmm. else that they got to rework, get build chemistry and all that. That's why I'm saying a-Rod is going to stay because it, how hard it is to build chemistry. Think about it. Tom Brady and them was getting their ass before before they got that chemistry. It takes weeks, and people don't understand it. They think it's going to happen right away because you got all this talent. No, it takes time to build chemistry. Once they build chemistry, now they're going to start winning. You know, we already got that. Yeah, well, look at uh, look at, look at at Odell and Baker. People are like, Odell's washed. I'm like, bro, that dude is not washed. <laughs> Just the Browns in general. They got chemistry. That's now what I'm saying. Yep. Now look at them. It's, That's it's, what I'm saying. It's nuts. And then you got to look at the Ravens. They cut uh running back from Alabama. What's his name? Uh, short dude. Okay. Mark Ingram. They cut him. 
now now you see what I'm saying? The chemistry is broke. Even though he's not producing more, was producing more, it's a chemistry of probably keeping that unit together. He might have been the vocal leader. You never know. And then exactly. they losing. So you it, it's little stuff like that people don't understand. And just like by us signing Mercedes Lewis back, that might be he don't do any he blocks for us. He don't catch touchdowns or anything, but like everybody say, he's a centerpiece in our team. Like we need him because he's vocal. He's probably a leader. He the vet. He keep everybody in check. You know what I'm saying? That little stuff you need. <laughs> yeah, well, shit. I mean, if he ends up getting traded, it's going to be the biggest trade in NFL history because I don't know if you saw on Instagram, ESPN had like the potential trade scenarios. Every team's trading multiple players and multiple first-round picks just to get him. Yep, and you got to realize this too. I seen that another uh, – Another um, GM comment. They they said it. Who they didn't say who it was from. They said Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere. This is going to pass time. He's just trying to get the biggest contract in the world history as a quarterback, which he should. Which he should. Yeah, he's he's, a, he's getting the fifth. He's the fifth most highest paid quarterback in the league. Fifth. Yeah, and that I mean, Prescott there's... gets paid more than Aaron Rodgers. Are you kidding me? Well, they have that – there's that argument, which is, like, it does hold some weight that the quarterbacks that get paid like that, they don't ever win Super Bowls hey, because the, you don't have money to, to pay without. But the way I look at it in that situation with Aaron Rodgers is, like, he ain't winning Super Bowls anyway, so fucking throw the bag at the guy. Man, listen, I, man, the way I think about it, we was that close to getting there last year, but our defense could hold no guy, nobody down, so – we shall see. We shall see. For sure. And uh, just, you know, because you know, we've been talking for almost like an hour and a half now. So uh, just uh, one more thing I wanted to get your take on was the whole, like, now you see more and more um, college athletes are getting paid off their likeness. And, like, there's that big talk of, like, should college athletes be paid? My opinion on it is that unless you're producing and making money for the school, like a Zion Williamson or or something crazy like that, like how he was at Duke, because um, what is your like? I don't think that every college athlete should get paid. I think the only the ones that are bringing in the money should get paid. Like, what's your whole stance on that? Like whole well, debate. Well, I truly do think they should get paid, especially I do too. If they if they selling um merchandise and all that, because at the end of the day, you gotta realize these kids don't have time to get jobs. Like it, mm-hmm. it's it's a people don't understand the day of a division one athlete and stuff, or a D two athlete at that. Like it it is hard. And then you gotta also realize you are if you like in Toledo, everybody knows who you are if you play on the Rockets. Like they know mm-hmm. you. So yes. like people, you are role models to people. So why not? Oh, this kid, little little Sammy, want to buy my jersey. Why not get paid off that? You know what I'm saying? Y'all getting the money off it, and you got to realize the NCAA, they make billions, easy. Like they get so much money, man, off the littlest stuff. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, man, let these kids get if they can earn an extra hundred dollars a month, that is beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because it's it's they don't have time to make money because why they they putting all their time into their school and their sport. Yeah, and I always feel like not not shitting on anyone, but I always feel that when I hear from, you know, mutual friends that we have and shit like that or people that are like, oh, well, like, no, they shouldn't get paid. It takes away the aneurysm. Like, you know that that's what's going to happen. It's like, yeah, but it, it, it always seems to me it's coming. And I can say this because I've, I've said this to buddies of mine. I'm like, yeah, but you're also not that talented. Like, it's always coming from pe- the people that are against it are always the people that either aren't at that level or they're like, 
well, they're getting a free scholarship. And it's like, yeah, we both know that fucking school nine times out of 10 doesn't is nothing but racks up debt for you. Right. At and, least nowadays. At least nowadays. It, it, not, and that's and that's another thing. Like, man, it's it's so crazy, though. Like, people people just got to really understand and be in their shoes because, man, I'm telling you, them scholarship checks ain't enough sometimes, man. It's well, not, not even enough. that. My uncle was telling me that because um, he was talking to – I forget who he was talking to about it, but one of his buddy's kids were they, – they were getting recruited by a couple, like, higher-up Division One schools, and they were t- he was telling him about how the whole one-and-done process works. And he was saying that if you go one-and-done, you're preparing – you're preparing for the draft after the your first semester. So if you go one and done, you're not even going to school for the whole year. Mm-hmm. You're going for literally just the fall semester. And guess what? That that puts that team behind in uh, the academic um, ratio. So basically, for every time somebody quits school, I think you you on risk to lose a scholarship. That's what people don't be really realizing. I got I, I forgot the the multiple rules for Division One. But when people don't finish school or they don't finish their semester or stuff like that, that actually hurts the program. Yes. So mm-hmm. I can't I can't think if you lose a scholarship, it does something. I want to say you lose a scholarship the next year, but I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah, and I don't know, again, and I don't know all the numbers, but I saw something that said that, like, when Zion committed to Duke, Duke immediately got a check from Nike for hundreds of millions of dollars. And it's just like, yo – <laughs> and how much like Zion see? You get what I'm yeah, saying? yeah. Or even right. like in and you know and and I know you you know um like the other thing that people fail to realize is that like I feel as though like a lot of kids that play sports generally come from like good uh, overarching. I would say probably like about eighty percent of kids that go on to play college sports they typically come from like uh you know good family that economically can't afford that if they don't have a scholarship or not and. Um, I'm not trying to be ignorant here. I'm just saying like what you typically see by the naked eye. And it's like for a lot of these kids that do go, you know, end up going to the NBA and going pro and are like the elite of the elite, nine times out of 10, they're not coming from the best areas or they're coming from a house where the mom's Mm -hmm. working two, three, four jobs. So it's like, they're, they're not thinking like, they won't say it to you, but they're not thinking about school. They're thinking like, yo, how can I secure the bag to help my family? Yep. And you got to think about this. Those people, them college athletes, say they do get a little, a little two hundred a month, right? Mm-hmm. Now they thinking like, oh man, they if I if I really play good, I can start making that four hundred a month. You get what I'm saying? So now they trying to perf- work even harder, perform even better. You get what I'm saying? To make it one to get that little extra two hundred, two mm-hmm. to make it pro. And they say like, oh, if you pay, if you pay the players and all that. Uh, they're gonna lose interest and they're not gonna go as hard. You mm-hmm. crazy as hell, they're gonna go harder to get to that top contract. And yeah, and saying? yeah, and to end the and you know, to end you know, this before I ask the last question is I was listening to the uh, I always watch like the I Am Athlete, Brandon Marshall and Ocho Cinco's podcast, mm-hmm. and they had Cam Newton on there, and Fred Taylor was on there too because he's part of it. And Cam Newton was saying that when he got recruited to Florida, he said Fred Jackson at the or not Fred Jackson, Fred Taylor was still playing running back for the Jags at the time. And he's a Florida alum. And he said that after one of the games, when he was on his official recruiting visit to Florida, he had all the recruits come and hang out at his house. And Cam was like, damn, yo, like where I'm from, like we don't see houses like this. We don't see money like this. Like, And he, he wasn't going into specifics about like what he was seeing. And he said that that was the first time, like being in that environment, 
he was like, damn, if I take this shit serious, this I'm going to be, be able to get to this. This could, this could be my life mm-hmm. if I take this shit serious. So Cam was saying on that podcast that it wasn't until he had that experience with Fred Taylor and he's like, damn, this dude's, ha- this dude's like the best running back in the league. Like he's got it all. He's such a nice, genuine dude. He's giving back like, damn, like this is the house he's living in. These are the cars he's driving. He's like, after that experience, he said it made him go even harder. Exactly. You get you give a person a snack, they want the entree next, you know? <laughs> yeah, and like Floyd and, and you know, we're not gonna get into it. They could say this for another episode, but like I heard Floyd Mayweather say that like when he gets around his billionaire buddies, he's not like, I wanna be on your boat. He's like, Fuck, show me how you did this. I want a boat too. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I mean it's always like it's uh, it's it's definitely a newer uh debate and topic of debate, but it's like we both stand on the same side of the fence with that. So like I'm always just curious what people think about it, but you know, um, you know, going off that, leaving that the last question I have for you is, um, and I ask everyone this, if you could go back and not if you can go back in time, but if you could meet your younger self today and you could meet 18 year old you, the oldest you are is 18, but you could be younger. What would you tell yourself um, about life and what would you tell yourself to carry forward with you in life, moving forward in life? Well, I'm going to say uh, as long as if you work hard and stay pa- you got to stay patient for one. Like, I was always so eager, like, oh, man, I need it now. Nah, stay patient, because when you stay impatient and you're working hard, you're progressing yourself, you know, um, to get better. And I, I was always, like, I was always the one, like, man, where am I going to school? I need, I need D1 looks. I need all this. I need, I need, you know what I'm saying? I was always anxious to get it right now and not thinking about the effect of, like, putting in work, you know, and getting myself better and letting everything else take care of itself. You know, control the things you can control, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And I was always trying to control other stuff that I couldn't control. So now that I'm older, I would definitely I would definitely know the workload it takes to achieve the goals that I have. And, you know, um, I think I would have achieved it quicker if I would have... I would achieve it quicker if I would have been on my game since 18 consistently, you know, more yeah. consistent. So, like, I mean, I, I made it to the pro level basketball. I feel pretty, pretty good where I made it to for three years. Mm-hmm. So, I, I was, I'm good with that. I, I could live with that. But now, would I have gone further or played at a way higher level like the NBA if I would have been committed since 18 and trust the process instead of being hungry and, you know, Giving up a couple times, you know what I'm saying. So like, I feel, I feel you with that 100. percent So like, would I would it have been a big difference? It probably would have, mentally, mm-hmm. physically, and skill wise. It probably would have been a big difference. We'll never know, but I mean, I'm happy with what I accomplished, you know, and I can live with myself because you know I did put in a lot of work, so I'm alright with it. <laughs> I, I love that. I respect that. So, um, well, hey, bro, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day because I know I always see you on Instagram fucking you're either you're either working out like a maniac, you're balling still or you're fucking just on your grind coaching. Right. Exactly. Got to, man. It's got to stay consistent. Damn. And, then, <laughs> mm-hmm, and then you got and then and then the form shooting starting with the little guy. 
Oh yeah, he he. Now that's one that dude who is consistent. He is not playing. And he, no, and I'm is, not forcing none of it on him. That's the crazy I, part. Dude, I was just about to say that. I was just about to say that because, like, as a guy like that played sports and like put so much into it, we naturally are like, oh, we have a little son. Where like sports is the answer, but like Tom Brady's kid doesn't. Tom Brady's one son is like, I want nothing to do with sports. Right. So like, it is. It is kind of cool though. Like when you have those snaps, and you're you're always like, all right, we're done. He's like, no, one more. <laughs> nah, yeah, he, he he man. As soon as he come in, where's my ball? I'm like, damn, you ready to go? Like I'll say that to you. He doing all on his own. All right. Yeah. So I mean, we got to get. Uh, we'll have to get. Uh, once we can, uh, you know, we'll have to figure out a dime. I was telling Briggs and a couple of the boys, we got to get an episode where it's a bunch of us and just hit record and see what happens. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm down for that. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, bro. So thank you for doing this. Nah, you're welcome, man. Anything, man, for the, uh, the Hearst boys. You know that. <laughs> of course. So I'll catch you, bro. All right, man. Have a good one. See you.